Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode number 32 for Wednesday, September 23rd, 2015. <music> Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast. Here today in sunny Santa Barbara, California, I'm Dave Hamilton. And just up the road in Los Gatos, California, Paul Kent. You are just up the road, aren't you? This is as close as we've been in a while. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And yet, and yet we chat every week. The, the miracles of modern technology to talk about something so basic as playing music. It's a beautiful thing, though. Yeah, man. Yeah. So how's your wrist? Well, I played my first uh, gig since since the incident on Friday night. It was an acoustic gig, so that was that was part of the reason I was comfortable doing it. Uh, the other part of the reason is it was with uh, Monkey Fist, which is either two fifths or three fifths of Chafed, and those guys do plenty of duo gigs where I'm not even invited, let alone you know in the room. Uh, just because they, you know, there's a lot of places that just want duos. And so they have full confidence and ability to carry the entire night if things were to not go all that well for me. So I felt pretty good. It was a nice little kind of test out the waters. I played the uh, the tabletop cajon that I have called a pitch slap, which I can wear on a guitar strap. And, uh, and I sang harmonies. I played that one-handed. And it was really, really hard not to... Uh, Actually, not playing with my left hand was easy because it, the way the kind of the brace is on, it would almost be impossible for me to play the thing with, uh, without taking the brace off, which I wasn't going to do. Uh, so, so there was no temptation to do that. The hardest thing for me was loading gear in and out and not coiling cables and all of that kind of stuff that I always you know find myself helping out and doing, obviously. Sure. Yeah. So, um, wrist is healing. It was... Um, it, 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 it it's fine. It, actually, I'm it, there's a there's a new there's a new spot of pain. I don't think it's new. I think I just didn't notice it because everything was sort of black and blue. So I'm wondering if there might have been like either two bones bruised or two bones even minorly broken. But um, we'll find that out at the at the next appointment in about a week and a half. But and do uh, you have a like an ETA for getting sticks back in your hands? Should be about it again. It should, that that week and a half mark. So a week from a week from actually a week from tomorrow is the next x-ray and we'll see and hopefully you know sometime there or you know the week after that is um is where we'll is where we'll go so i'm kind of being extra paranoid uh, which which sucks in the short term but you know hopefully pays off long term and i don't it's have smart any. it's smart it's hard to be smart but it's what i'm trying to do yeah um, I did take a theater gig for Halloween weekend. Oh, the weekend after Halloween, I have a real gig Halloween weekend. Um, so I, you know, at some, at some point I have to kind of, you know, decide when I can put sticks in my hands and sure, you know, it, uh, hopefully I don't have to punt on that theater gig. Cause that one, that one, I can't just go and do, I, I probably need to play for, you know, a week or two before to learn the parts <laughs> and all of that. So, so we'll see, but, um, this this Saturday night, I have a fling gig that was booked as a full electric gig, and I can't imagine that I'm going to be ready to put sticks in my hands and, and cart heavy drums and all of that stuff in three days. So 
we're 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 changing that to an acoustic gig, which the club is fine with, and actually oh, pro- cool. probably works better in this particular club anyway. And and frankly, it I, I mean I don't mean to sound um, uh, uncaring about this, but it is the last band this club is ever having. They there was a corporate decision made to um, to curtail that at the end of September and Saturday night. You know, they only have bands Thursday, Friday, Saturday anyway. So we are the last band ever there. So it's, you know, if the last gig isn't exactly what it could have been, well, it doesn't matter for the future. <laughs> At least not there, but it yeah. does matter. I mean, I like to, you know, I'm a, I'm a pro like you. I like to make sure we do it right. So it, it'll sure. actually be a lot of fun. You know, the acoustic thing lets harmonies kind of take a, a more of a center stage and and that can be a fun thing. For sure. Just make it special. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I have to say, man, it was really, and this I totally didn't predict, playing with one, I was only playing with one limb, right? Because it was an acoustic gig. So I'm standing up. I'm obviously not playing with my feet. I I only have my hands um, and and also my voice. But uh, I was was playing with not just one limb, but one side of my body. And it was really bizarre. I found myself having to tap my left foot as I played with my right hand just to have some balance. It was, it was really kind of bizarre. It was this whole brain thing. It was like, Whoa, I need to like rewire some stuff. tonight. <laughs> um, really interesting. So I, I mean, I, I, for a drummer, I highly recommend trying it out because it will be the kind of thing that probably unlocks some of, of that, you know, that we're, as drummers, we're always working on independence, limb independence. And, uh, and, and I, and there was definitely that same experience, uh, on Friday night playing with just the one side and, and it, and it, and it really did. It was like that, that whole rewiring of, of neural pathways, that, that sensation that kind of goes through uh, your head when that's happening. So oh, I yeah. encourage anybody that, that plays an instrument to as best you can. I mean, with a guitar, this is tough, right? Because with, without the second hand, I'm not exactly sure how, yeah, how, how, uh, how productive you might be able to be. I mean, I was able to play for two hours with one hand. That's probably not going to work for a guitar player, but maybe it would, but it, you know, just to, just to make yourself think a little bit differently and, and inject some new, you know, new pathways. Um, I encourage you to play with one hand. I have a keyboard player friend who, um, he's actually the, the son of a friend. He also has, uh, one hand out. He's got his right hand down right now because he, he over practiced this summer. He was practicing like, 12 hours a day and he just totally yeah. wore out his hand. And so now he's been playing left-handed and it's really interesting listening to him improvise and stuff and playing these jazz figures with his left hand because it, it you know, it's obvious he has to think a little bit and, and it, it, it will, I'm sure it'll it enhance his playing down the road. So yeah. yeah so interesting. Any, anything that makes you approach your, your craft differently and get out of bad habits or not habits, just habits, just not habits. Bad habits, yep. just habits. Yep. Yeah, it's gotta be a good, useful a good useful tool. Well, that's cool. You're making the most out of it. I think that's great. I'm trying, man. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I've only got a couple more weeks left. I think if, if something happens and they say, wow, man, you know, you're going to have to go another two months. I'll do it because it's, you know, I, I want to make sure it heals right, but that'll start to really mess with my head, but uh, hopefully it won't come to that. Hopefully. Yeah. I'll deal with it either right. way. I mean, all right. You know. well, we'll, we'll check in on you next week yeah. about it. How about, how about gigs for you? Uh, House Rockers moved back inside last week. It was actually kind of interesting. So we had our first club date since the summer began. 
Um, we have this kind of home base club that we've done a good job. You know, we have like a good built in audience now. We actually broke our own attendance record. We were uh, aided a little bit uh, by a, by a big birthday party and a big, uh, high school graduation that were holding their celebrations there that helped a little bit. But, you know, even aside from that, we had a really, really good night, good draw, but you know, the, the club dates you get, it's like a splash of, of water about that. That's just a different world. I mean, you know, first of all, my daughter does the door. So this club, wants the bands to do their own door so there's no confusion because we play for the door there right so got it we yep. you know he he offered us x amount and and uh and uh we negotiated that uh well we think we can do better than that how about if we how about if we take all the risk and we'll play for the door so no guarantee but we it, it by by this time you know four years playing at this club and the track record i mean we'll probably have in the middle of February or in the middle of March, we'll probably have a bad night that, you know, wouldn't be as much. But overall, we do pretty well there. So we take the door and my daughter does the door. And like I said, the club owner wants the bands uh, who are, have anything related to the door to provide their own person. So there's no confusion about the accounting. And so my daughter is at the door. So A, that whole thing about, you know, people who think they don't have to pay the cover, that they're different than everybody else. People who, you know, she told me, you know, 10 stories the next morning of like, man, you know, there's a line of 20 people waiting to pay and you have a, a you know, a couple of people just walk past them all and then walk past me and say, you know, I'm with the, I'm with the birthday party and, you know, just those types of things. And it, it's really kind of a weird thing. And actually I'll ask your opinion about this. Some of the people who didn't behave particularly well are people I know. Do you talk to them? Or do you think you just uh, like generically you, you ignore the situation and just, you know, because she went and chased him. My daughter is she's she's a smart cookie. She went and chased them down, said, she you know, get her. yeah, yeah. She was like, you know, I'm sorry. There's a cover that you know, that's how the band gets paid. And, um, you know, and people some people still gave her a hard time, that type of thing. But you think if it's someone, you know, do you think I should address it and say, you know, that was my daughter at the, at the door or keep it entirely business and. It got worked out anyway and, you know, just leave it alone or put something kind of generically on like our Facebook invite that says, hey, my uh, Paul's daughter, Jill's going to be at the at the door, you know, be cool, <laughs> you know, or something like that. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's a large part of people who know me or know us. Would you address it or just leave it alone and just let business take care of itself? Yeah, that's a tough one. I, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm in a general sense, I'm always someone who says just address things head on. Right. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I, I might break that rule on this one. Um, I, th- I think your idea of a Facebook post that says not even, not even be cool, just, Hey, make sure you say hi to her. Right. Just yeah. even, even just uh, alerting people to the fact that she's your daughter. I mean, they, they should treat her. <laughs> it shouldn't matter is the thing. Shouldn't matter. Right. But, uh, but it does matter. And you got to remind people somehow. So you can start with the, with the friendly kind of passive aggressive thing. Um, yeah. Otherwise it gets weird and, and you don't want to drive those people off. Right. If you can avoid it. I mean, well, if, that's actually if, part if, of the conversation. Is yeah, well, you want to drive, you want to change their behavior, behavior or drive them off. Right. It's one or yeah. the other. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was getting to is going back into clubs and some of the weirdness that invariably comes with clubs. You know, what I want to say, what you want to say is we're providing this service. We're playing music because a lot of people walked by and said, hey, we brought this big birthday party and we're making the bar a ton of money. 
And, you know, the, the obvious thing is, is, you know, there's music here. It costs music. And, you know, the, the cover is the way the band gets compensated. I mean, you don't need to go deep into the, into the weeds with them like that. But there are, there are a certain category of people who just either they think that they don't have the same rules as other people or, you know, or whatever their deal is, right? Yeah. Or it's, cl- it's club night, we're going to be wild and I'm going to behave badly is, is another type of personality you often get, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I have to play by the rules all week at my job. So if I have to be a contentious person, you know, when I go out to a club, that's cool with me. That's another personality that you get. And, but it's a very interesting question because within this pretty large fan base that we have in this area, there's 95% really good eggs and 5% people who just have an interesting take on on equity, I guess you'd, you'd call it, right? So, yeah, I mean, I think part of it, because you're right, you, you know, these people are going to come in and spend a ton of money at the bar. And, and I, I get it from their standpoint, right? Because they're going to, they're going to pay in a different way, right? But what they don't understand and perhaps shouldn't have to understand is that the band and the bar are two completely separate things on that particular night. But at another club on a different night, the the two may be very much intermingled, right? And so there's it. It's not up to the. It's not the patrons' fault that that you and the club cut a, a specific deal. But it's also not the patrons' opportunity to make their own rules. Well, that's true. Yeah, I guess that's true. My uh, where I've run into this issue is has been where you know it's a club that has a restaurant and a and a bar kind of thing and and the club will say you know we'll be playing for the door and the club will say well you know we'll comp these people because you know they they just came and had dinner but they don't they don't then take you know if it's whatever it is if the cover is 10 bucks if there's five people they don't put 50 bucks in the in the band's till it's just it just disappears you know it's like well you just made money on them and i get that you want to do something nice for them but remember the deal so it it, it's almost like you got to engage the club on this and and have the club enfor- also there to enforce those rules. Well, and to be fair, there is. So the club puts a, a security guy there, so it's not just this you know twenty four year old girl just sure you know, yeah because she herself. can't check IDs or anything right <clears throat> exactly. So she's uh, it, there is a little of that, and the club owner and I are 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 good. I mean he he wants us to make what we're supposed to make, and mm-hmm. you know that's a good thing. It's really that kind of squishy area about about people who you know what 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 a what a, what, a, what applies to everybody else doesn't apply to me. Yeah, I don't. I, th- that's just in life. That's something that pisses me off. And you know, I know the answer to my own question. I mean, right. I mean, no, no. I, I don't need to go pick a fight with everybody who doesn't want to pay, pay a cover and and are mean to my daughter you know it's not it's not their problem that i put my daughter as as the as a person at the door yeah, that's the also right true. thing to do yep. it it got handled you know jill takes care of it she goes and she says hey and if, and if they say screw you no i'm not going to pay cover then she tells the co- the uh, security guy and he goes and handles it and if the security guy doesn't handle it then i talk to the club owner and say sure. you know how do you want to do this of course the guy whose birthday it was should come in free i mean that's just 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 goodwill yep and uh, and that's that's totally cool but like I said, 95% of people are really cool. 5% of people uh, just – it's interesting what people's thought process is when they, when they feel that they've got to be different. 
So one person said, I'm just going to go in for 20 minutes. Here, hold my ID. Two hours later, they came out and said, hey, can I have my ID back? And Jill said, you were in there for two hours. Yeah. She, she goes, well, I couldn't find my friends. I'm like, you were, she was like, you're in there for two hours. You got to pay the cover. And so Jill got the, got the cover out of her, which was pretty funny. Hey, that's good. Yeah. And then, and then the other type of weirdness that we have is, you know, people just behave worse in clubs. This is why I've been saying these winery and, and festival and concert series gigs, great hours, usually better pay than clubs. And, and generally, a, you know, a more wholesome, you know, conductive, conducive vibe but you know another type of personality you get at clubs is we had i think it was a bachelor party it was about five or six girls in their 20s and then one woman that was i would say late 30s and we're on a break and i come up and the girl had taken my mic and my mic stand off the stage and is just like you know uh, being weird you know pretending to sing into my microphone she actually took the mic stand and the mic off the stage huh and uh, the sound effect of the things people think there. are okay. Yeah. Right. And then, though, they're all pretty drunk. Sure. And then the woman, who, like I said, is, is easily 10 to 15 years older than the rest, um, comes up and says, So are you going to play any good dance music or not tonight? And, like, like really snarky. I was like, eh, We'll see. Yeah. yeah. We'll <laughs> see. <I guess. laughs> so that is and, the right that, way to answer that question. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Good I on mean, you. You just have to kind of get in that mind that, that people can be really silly. And especially when booze is involved, they get really, really silly. Yes. And um, that's, that's part of being a professional that I just need to work on more and more and more. I mean, you know, I, my gut tells me to shut stuff down. And, you know, even if they walk out an unhappy customer – but my head says, come on, you know, part of being a performer is you signed up to be in a band that plays in clubs. This is what happens in clubs. This is what happens in clubs. That's right. Yeah. 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 And, and there is that. You, I mean, you do have to just kind of roll with some level of it. You know, if they're taking your stuff off the stage, I, you you got to go talk to them about that and, yep. and engage. But but that can that engagement, even if in both scenarios, it comes out that they give you your stuff back and, and no harm, no foul. That engagement can decide how the rest of the night's going to go. Right. Very, it threw me off for a couple of songs actually, you know, where, where I was, I was just angry at the concept of someone being such a jerk. And yeah. so, you know, it took me a little while to kind of get back into my zone and the band had a really, really good night. You know, I got to say, yeah. And I think I was the only one who had like the direct contact with this type of stuff. So, you know, it definitely threw me for a couple of songs where I just kind of had to, you know, simmer for a little bit and get it, get out of my head you know there's also the people who think that they're entitled to sing with the band there are people who just kind of you know want to walk on stage or dance on stage there's, we've experienced that together once or of twice. course yeah. yeah once or twice didn't yeah. go well for me then either <laughs> <laughs> this is this is something you got to work on man yeah <laughs> but i'm the same way i i you know whenever somebody kind of breaks that invisible line um without being invited to my reaction is very similar to yours like it's such a it's no. such a show of disrespect. Yeah. Yeah. But I have seen other people handle it in in a different way than us. I'm not going to necessarily say better, but it might be better and that they totally embrace it and and it's, you know, it's almost like that um what's the martial art where you take the other person's momentum and use it against them? Akimbo, uh, right? Yeah. And and it's like, "Oh, hey, you're on stage. Awesome." And and they just get them to like sing two lines and then 
just march him off the stage. Hey, thanks, man. Awesome. I'll see you on the break. And, yeah. and this person's offstage arguably faster than they would have been if there was a confrontation. And it doesn't sour everyone's interpretation of the night with this confrontation, right? You're, everybody you're gets, absolutely right. Everybody gets that this singer just made this guy get off stage. Nobody misses that fact, except perhaps the guy that was just made to get off stage, right? But it, it you can do it in this very kind of take the momentum and flow with it way. Uh, I'm not good at this, by the way. I've I've seen it done. I've I've had the pleasure of being on stage when it's been done, and someone else has has handled it. Uh, but like you, my gut reaction is you know to put up the wall, and yep. and that's I, I I'm not convinced that's always the right move. There are times, of course, when it just gets out of control, and you okay, now we need to stop. You know? No, look, there's people in life that are just very very adept at deflecting dummies you know jerks, that's it right yeah There's some people who just have that life skill that understand intuitively if i do something physical or if i do something you know to insult this person or embarrass this person it's just going to get way worse right and they just have this natural life skill of just channeling bad behavior in a way that limits it and gets rid of it pretty quickly I yep. mean, so, and it's an amazing skill i actually wish i had that skill yeah same yeah. Yeah. And I've seen it. I mean, you've seen it too, you know, and, and that that's it in retrospect, every time something like this goes on, I always wish that I would be more and more like that. And, and perhaps it is a, a skill that, you know, just talking about it like this, you know, maybe the next time you recognize it a little bit earlier in the interaction, yeah. right. You know, it's like anything, I don't know, but I think that that's a better way to handle that, but it can also backfire, right? If you seem too lenient, then it the next You're inviting guy. it yeah 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 actually that's that really I, I think people have their their barometer of good behavior and bad behavior and and most people are in control of that I think and yes. that's why that's why it sticks out so much is sure. because it's 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 first of all you're just stunned that someone would act that way in front of in front of other people you know <laughs> yeah. because it's so foreign to your way of thinking i would right? never walk on st- i listen i'm really comfortable on a stage and and i it, uh, this doesn't happen all the time but there have been times in clubs when i know more about what should be happening on stage than the people uh-huh. on stage do right I mean, not always but but sometimes you're like oh i wish i could help them right you know with anything and but no uh, you know it's not cool to step up and i'll let me sing this harmony because you've got it wrong no that's just not okay <laughs> I've gone out to clubs and the the mix has been really hard, yeah. really bad. And someone will come up to me and say, go, go tell the band that their mix isn't right. And I'm like, no, I mean, it's their gig. It's their, you know, stuff. If they, if the band, if I know the band and they ask me, how do we sound? I would offer it. Sure. But you know, it's not your place to like no. tell them how to mix their show. I was, in fact, I had that experience on Sunday. My daughter's band played uh, acoustic also at a little, uh, kind of a little downtown gathering in our in our town. It was awesome. It was a really nice thing. They, they had like four or five bands and face painters. It was a really family kind of oriented event, and and it just sort of happened right in downtown. It was great. Um, and the band before her, they you know they had somebody running sound, and it was just a pretty simple setup. You know, they, they had a I don't know five or six mics that they could position wherever that that particular act needed them, and a couple of powered mains and a couple of power mo- powered monitors. Really, really basic. Uh, and there was a guy who was, who was running the sound. I don't know if it was probably his gear. You know, he probably donated his time to this this thing that was going on. It was great. And this, the band before 
my kids, I didn't see them start, uh, but I got there about halfway through and they sounded great. You know, the vocals were coming through, guitars sounded good. It was, you know, acoustic. So it's relatively easy to do sound, but sometimes can be tricky. And then, you know, they moved all the mics all over the place to change over from one to the other. They got it all lined up. And as soon as my daughter's band started, there was feedback. Uh, uh. And it was, and I knew exactly what it was, right? And I'm like, oh, it's it's the lead vocal mic. It, it's too hot in the monitors. I could tell this from, you know, 30 feet from the stage. And uh, everybody looks to me and they're like, oh, you know, you got to go fix it. And actually, even my wife said, uh, people were coming up to her saying, how come Dave isn't fixing it? You know, <laughs> it's like, well, it's not my place. Uh, to your point, right? This isn't my gear. So finally, you know, I kind of went and stood near the sound guy and he, he was trying to work on it. He heard it too. And he went up and he did something which didn't help. And he kind of came back. And, and so I started asking him questions. I'm like, what do you think that is? I'm like, do you, do you think it's that vocal mic? He's like, maybe. And he went and he tweaked it and he came back and I'm like, yeah, it's still there. I'm like, do you think it might be, it might be in the monitors? You know, he's like, yeah, it might be. I'm like, you know, these kids are 14. When I was 14, I never had monitors. They can they can do a gig without them, you know, if that's the problem. He's like, you know, that's a good point. And he went and he turned the monitor down a little bit and and then everything was good. But, you know, it 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 was it required some social engineering, right? It wasn't me going up and just saying, get out of my way. I can fix this. And so I you might do have, have the skill. I do. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, yeah, but this guy wasn't, I was in the other, I, I was on the other side of it, right? <laughs> I was the guy that could have been the jerk walking up on stage, but I didn't want that's to be. Funny. Yeah. But it, it, in the end, it all worked out. The kids got off stage. They're like, yeah, the monitors are really low. I'm like, yeah, oh, well. Sounded good out front. Well, that's good. Hey, I wanted to tell you about kind of an interesting situation I'm in. So I, I was telling you the big event that we put on, uh, on September 5th, on Labor Day weekend. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about in the following episode, but that gig is at a big park that has um, a big bandstand and it has, uh, uh, they, I think they call it gold bond or something like that. There's some, there's something that they put on the dirt there. Okay. So we've done this gig three years and every year I have had the exact same thing happen to my voice where it, it, I just don't have, it, it's just all clogged. It's just, I'm having no resonance and, and I can feel it in my throat but it's not sore and it's not scratchy. It's just, you know, like my, all of my resonance is, is blocked. Yep. And the interesting thing is each of these three years, we've had a gig the next day and I've been fine the next day. So I think I might be allergic to you know, something that's on this dust or, or sure. the kind of dust that they have. I don't know. Nick thinks it's because we do these, this barbecue and I'm talking all day. But again, I'm not, I'm not sore the next day and I'm not hoarse the next day. So it's kind of a weird thing. But <laughs> so... This year, you know, the event blew up pretty big and we had the local cable TV channel out there doing a four camera shoot and they want to do a two hour show that'll run on our local cable access, you know, channel. Yeah. Um, and I did not have a great night. Have you heard the recordings? I mean, um, because I, things can be different in the moment versus when you listen back. They can. I'm pretty sure I know what I'm going to hear. I've heard a couple of the like audience recordings and yeah. those types of things. Yeah. Summer's a little bit better than I remembered, but a lot was what I remembered. Yep. And so I have to go in there and, uh, you know, work with them because Nick had a really good night and, um, as he always does, uh, and work with them and kind of skew the, the, the song selection, set selection a little bit away from, from this stuff. But A, 
it makes me crazy that this gig that I love doing so much and I work so hard on something there, something, you know, whether it's talking during the day, I don't think it's that, or whether it's truly an allergy. I don't even know how to go down the path of figuring that out or what to do about it. But um, three years in a row, I've had this, you know, really weird obstruction to my resonance. And, and, you know, I haven't, I haven't had good vocal nights there. Um, So I, I know how you feel, first of all, because Cirque du Mac was always that for me, right? I mean, it, it was a gig that we put a ton of energy into making happen and simply because of talking all week and being dehydrated in a, uh, you know, convention center and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, there was just the odds. It wasn't even that the odds were against us. It was the, the circumstances dictated that our voices were shot by the time the gig started. Right. So I, I know how you feel. Um, and I also have experienced something coincidentally timed at exactly the same time of year that you're having this problem for the last three years where gigs on like Labor Day and the weekend afterwards, my voice is like, I can make it work, but it's, it's not reliable, right? I'm, it's every note that comes out. I'm wondering if the next one's going to come out. Um, yeah. And, and it, it only, it lasts a couple of weeks. I assume it's an allergy thing, but I've also been wondering, you know, maybe I need, and I've, I've had a, a, a small number of vocal lessons in the past. Maybe I need to, to meet with a vocal coach and, and learn how to perhaps strengthen my voice more so that when there are these, whatever they are, these circumstances that, that make things less than preferable, I still have some strength there to get through it without hurting myself and, and that kind of thing. So I, I've been thinking about that. In fact, I had that on our, our list of potential topics to talk about today. So it's interesting you brought this up. A good thing is, is get a recording and bring it into the vocal coach so it can try and decipher what oh, the symptoms are. I mean, that's a great idea yeah, because there's different types of vocal problems, right? Right. And you know, the thing that's coming on with this, and I'm sure a lot of people out there can, can relate to this is you know performing live is fun and you're in the moment and yeah you make the mental notes of mistakes and and everything but oh man the gig went great hearing yourself recorded is an incredibly humbling thing seeing yourself recorded is an incredibly incredibly humbling thing and so i'm about to dive deep into that it's good though i i um i i've made the mistake of listening to gigs especially gigs that i thought were great on the way home from that very gig, that's the wrong time to give yourself that dose of reality. I would think everybody does that. I, I certainly, I definitely do that. And it's, and to me, and I've never thought it was the wrong dose of reality because it's fresh in your mind and, and you know, you, you know, the goofs and you want to see how bad the goofs really played and you know, what something you, you intuitively think worked. You want to get that feedback right then. I, I wouldn't agree that it's the it's no. the worst time. We'll listen to it again later yeah. and get a balanced perspective, but there's a lot to learn right after it, a gig. Oh, no, there is. I, and actually, you know, there was, I think I've mentioned it a couple of times when I, in the kind of early nineties, I was playing with these guys and we got together every week and we would just record. We never played out and, and we would mostly improvise around, uh, you know, chord changes or uh, a melody or something that one of the guys would bring in and we'd play for about an hour and a half. And then we'd listen immediately, for, uh, you know, to everything we just played. And you're right. Th- there is that in the moment th- thing of, of saying, Oh, I remember this. I hated this when we did it. This sounds pretty good. Or like you said, the opposite of, wow, this was awesome when we did it. 
we should never do that again. This sucks, <laughs> you know? Uh, so there is that, but you know, for me, there is that part of the gig that I feel like is important that the, the experience of having been in the room with not only your bandmates, but these other people and you created this vibe and, and that is value. It's valuable, but it's also valid, right? Even if the tapes kind of expose uh, some of the, the, the rougher edges, if you will, I don't want those to diminish the energy that existed in that room for me in my memory. So, so I will give it a week and then I'll listen back and be the, the, my own, absolutely my own worst critic, but I just don't, I, I, I like to let that memory set before I, before I start nitpicking whatever went on and, and, you know, and then that's fine, but it's like, Oh yeah, that was a great gig. And then oh, here's some things we should work on, you know, but at the two I've, for me, I like them to be separate. I think the, the goal is to strive for them both to be good. Right. Oh, well, you of know? course. Yes. I mean, but <laughs> I mean, it's so easy to be wrapped up in that. Well, you know, oh, well, these, you know, these goofs happen, but man, the, the energy in the room was great. I think that the, the, and the reason you're listening to these things is, you want to know, but you don't want to know, I guess, right? You, I mean, you want to know so you can fix things and work on things and think about things. You're kind of looking for that magic validation that like it really was as good as I remember it being. But I, I, you know, there's always 25 things per show that I can pick out that, you know, I either meant to do differently than I did and, and it wasn't as good as, as I hoped it would be. You know, you learn a lot about your solos. I mean, maybe more than anything else, you learn a lot about your improvisational playing. Totally. Because that's truly an in the moment thing. I mean, when you're kind of by rote playing the rhythms that you've been playing over and over again for months, that's one thing, but, but your chops as a soloist, when you listen back to those, you learn, you learn a ton. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to learn. I mean, it, you know, it was the, did the groove work, you know, is there something we should edge on this one and to, to make the pocket bigger, you know, whatever, but yeah, there's all kinds. I mean, then that's the beauty of it, right? Everybody listens, everybody hears different things, comes back together and, and kind of distills it down. Hey, just to take a just to take a left turn here, I have to ask this magic question. Yeah. You talked about you talked about the pocket, and you being one of the great drummers I know, is there really such a thing as playing behind the beat and ahead of the beat? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Tell me what it is. Yeah, man, I don't know. I, I it's a um, is it a feel thing? It, well, it it is a feel thing. Um, if I'm playing, so. It mechanically, here's how I think of it. And this doesn't, this is not going to encompass all of it, right? Uh, but mechanically, playing behind the beat for me means playing the bass drum on the beat and playing the snare drum a little behind that. So the snare drum is actually being hit late. Now we're talking, go ahead. But that, that, that is, that is, it's got to be a feel thing because it can't be a count thing, right? No, I mean, it, it, it starts out as an intentional kind of count thing. It, it's, um, there's a, there's a, a type of stroke that the drummer, every drummer learns called a flam, right? And, and the idea behind a flam is, is it, it may look like you're hitting both sticks at the same time, but you're not. The idea behind a flam is you have a grace note that you play with one stick ahead of the other one hitting. And, and it creates, you know, that kind of brah sound, right? That that's what it's supposed to do. And it's not supposed to be too much of a lag between the two. And the, when you're playing flames properly in, in like concert band or marching band, the, the 
grace note comes ahead of the beat. And then the, the main downstroke, which is the louder of the two happens on the beat. So you learn this sort of thing and it, it becomes ingrained in you as, as a drummer, because you wind up playing flams all the time and you play them in the middle of rhythms and all kinds of stuff. So I think of playing behind the beat as like playing a little bit of a flam and letting my bass drum, even it's, it's switched because my bass drum, if, if I'm playing behind the beat would play the grace note on the downbeat. And then my snare comes that little split second after it. And so, so it, it makes a difference. If it comes after it, does that mean you're playing ahead of the beat? No, behind the beat means you're playing late. And, and for me specifically, the, the way to the way to teach it is to start doing it with the snare drum only first because it will create that pocket right where where there's you know if you're playing the bass drum on the downbeat and the bass player is driving and playing on the downbeat um right on the beat then you can play a little behind uh with just the snare and it really fattens it up and makes it really comfortable for dancers and that kind of thing got it uh, i've had this conversation with others and they say it's it's a mythical thing no no not at all no you you can i mean i've 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 done it right like where we'd be playing like a blues groove or something and uh and i remember one gig in particular because we were actually having this conversation in the in the car on the way down it was with the blues rock trio and we always traveled together when we could and so the three of us were in the front seat of the pickup truck because it was texas and that's what you do uh (laughs) and and we were talking about it on the way to the gig and and they were actually trying to, you know, get me to to wrap my head around it. They're like, yeah, we need a fatter pocket or whatever. And so we're in the middle of this one one tune, and uh, and I did it right. I started playing a little behind the beat just with the snare drum, and I mean, it was like night and day with how people moved on the dance floor. And my bass player turned to me and he's like, "See," and I'm is like, this yeah something that's that started with jazz music or to start with you know soul music or or when did this concept of a groove? kind of become popular huh um i always i always go ahead related to that is you know now with modern with modern recording you know digital recording techniques and this whole quantization you know thing do you do people do that mechanically uh you can right i mean you you would quantize it in a different way you you did quantize it intentionally late i've never heard of someone doing that but i mean you could yeah. Uh, where as to where it started, I always kind of felt like the the New Orleans second line thing. Really, mm. if you want to just get into a style of music that that kind of has that fat backbeat that that delayed snare drum thing ingrained in it, that's it, right? And and start listening to Little Feet with with Richie Hayward and stuff. I mean yeah. that. That he definitely does that. And, and it's interesting, you know, you'll, you'll listen and you'll think, man, you know, that guy's got his snare drum tuned really low and it's not, it, you actually wind up hearing more of the low end of the drum when it comes late. And when it's right on the beat, it sounds snappier and, and higher pitched, even though it might be exactly the same drum kind of thing. I mean, there, then there also is this whole tuning thing that where you, you would tune it fatter and, and deeper and, and all of that. But, uh, but it actually it changes it changes your perception of everything and and there is a time and a place to be playing right on the beat like you know Ringo's stuff um, it, typically English music English rock and roll you know I think of like Elvis Costello and uh, all that stuff is like driving right on the beat right. uh, surf stuff is that way you know it's right on the beat 
And that's, you know, it's a whole different, it's a different style. It's, it's edgier. It, it, it kind of keeps you, it almost makes you uncomfortable. You know, you, I feel like you're tilted forward when you're listening mm. to that kind of music. Interesting. All yeah. Right, cool. Yeah. Now I know. Uh, yeah. At least, you know, for me, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> hey, um, one thing I want to talk about, but we're not going to do it this week. I'm, I'm hoping we can do it next week is uh, endorsements because even as a weekend warrior, you too can benefit from artist deals with equipment companies, not necessarily free stuff, although that can happen, but sometimes you can get an artist discount on, on stuff that you use regularly. And uh, a, a good friend of both of ours, uh, a guy named Daniel East is what I would consider to be one of the Kings of the endorsements in the weekend warrior world. And I think we might be able to get him on for Monday's show. So that'd be great. Yep. Yep. I've actually been texting with him while we've been recording here. So uh, breaking the rules a little bit, but I, I think we, I think we might be able to get him. So if we can't, if we can't get him for Monday, we'll, we'll get him shortly. So look for that episode folks. Got it. If you have any questions for us, feedback at giggabpodcast.com is the best place to find us. You can also find us, uh, of course on Twitter, giggabpodcast. That'll work. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Paul. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next week. See ya.